This is Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is taking each and every one of us on. Today on the podcast, we have part two of my conversation with my friend, Bethlehem Baptist Church Senior Pastor Tommy Rogers. Tommy and I continue our conversation and have a long and honest conversation about race, what the politics of race looks like, and what the church's role needs to be in racial reconciliation. I pray that this conversation is a blessing to you, so let's go ahead and get right into it. I'll never forget, we had a CPMA meeting, um, and it would have been four days after the events in Charlottesville, Virginia last year. And um, at the time I was, you know, putting together kind of a, you know, pastoral growth segment for these meetings. Um, And Pastor Flagg, you know, more or less scrapped it at the beginning of that week and said, I've got something I want us to talk about. And we had in this meeting of, of pastors and ministry leaders, a really honest and really healthy conversation about race and about race in the church and about the ways that that is viewed. And I'll never forget the, the impact of what you said. And, and, and I don't know if anyone else took this the, the same way, but you know, of course the, the impetus of all these events in, in Charlottesville that had happened was, you know, Hey, they're, they're taking down this statue of, of Robert E. Lee, Confederate general. Right taking down this this statue of, of Robert E. Lee and of course that leads to you know white supremacist groups showing up and you know all, all kinds of things that come out of this and you were the first person in our conversation to say the Putnam County Courthouse there is a large statue outside of the Putnam County Courthouse to memorialize those who fought and died mm-hmm. in the Civil War as part of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And then you made the point that in in my own position of, of privilege and just my own lack of understanding, I had never really considered before, as you said, and if I ever have to go to court, if there's ever a charge against me, I'm going to have to walk into a building to defend myself. And on my way into that building, I will pass by a statue memorializing the people who fought to make me property. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, I had to do that for someone. Yeah. I went to stand with them as they were trying to uh, get out of of a, a jail situation and... It is striking. It yeah. is striking. I, yeah, it's funny because as a Marine, mm-hmm. I can admire the military tactics of Robert E. Lee. Sure. I mean, I can admire um, a lot of the military tactics. In fact, I had to study them. Yeah. Um, there, there are classes at West Point about exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and you and really you should know uh, those because they. Some of those same tactics have saved the lives of our military and even in today. It's Rob, one of the things that just that just worry worry grieves me. Yeah. Is the rising climate of the lack of good meaning people to talk their own words Hmm. and not the words of those that they're affiliated with. What is uh, digging that old? Yeah. What is, what what do you mean when you say that? Uh, Even, even when we talk about that, that, that conversation about the civil war statutes, Mm -hmm. the answer of the person is going to be dependent upon the camp that they're in. Yeah. If I'm a white Southerner, mm-hmm. whether I agree with the Confederacy or not, I'm in the camp. Mm-hmm. And I live and I relate to everyone that 
I mean, to, to people that, that agree with the statue. And I have very little interaction with anyone that is offended by the statue because other than maybe work, maybe in the store, no one that I'm dealing with had to deal with that. Now, at the taping of this podcast, we've had since Charlottesville, the young lady in Waffle House Mm -hmm. arrested for waiting to get her credit card back and her breasts are exposed while being arrested. You have the shooting in Waffle House where the heroic actions of the young man saved lives, but still four people died. And just this week, the mother of the young lady got her degree. Hmm. She wasn't able to march. She graduated. Um, You have the Starbucks issue with the two gentlemen in Philadelphia. And this is the other thing that we're coming to understand that this stuff is not a Southern or Northern thing. It's, 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 no, not at all. And it's never been. Yeah. Um, So, in all of these things that we deal with, how, how it, it's it's not getting to the place to where you and I can sit a, that, that this is a normal thing that you and mm-hmm. I sit across a desk talking about it, yeah. and no one really wants anyone to feel uncomfortable with the conversation, and I think that's the problem. Uh, we're we're everyone's uncomfortable with the conversation. But what did we do to bring the conversation? What did we do to make be, make it uncomfortable? Hmm. We inherited this. Yeah. I have in my blood T. Molly, mm-hmm. a slave from descent of where in Africa I have no idea. Funny thing, when I was in Paris, <laughs> I was in the, um, you know, of course, there on company business, having breakfast, um, suit, coat, tie, everything. Um, in the um, Hilton at in Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. Gentleman comes up to me, African gentleman. He says something I don't recognize. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not from here. I'm from the United States. He's like, oh, you look as if you are from Cameroon. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I very well could be. I have no idea. Yeah. And just a couple weeks ago, and when I was in um, Washington D.C., there was a, a lady that was cleaning my room, mm-hmm. and she said, "You look like my brother." And she was from, I guess maybe Cameroon or somewhere from that area. And um, so I, every time I would see her in the morning, walking by, I'd say, "Hey, sis." She's like, "Hey, brother." Hmm. But I have no idea. Yeah. The the results of that is. Somewhere along the my family tree, someone was taken mm-hmm. from their homeland. I wore the uniform for this country. I love the United States of America, and I would, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But that that love puts into place a little bit of how can I love? What even today? If I have a dispute at Waffle House, mm-hmm. they could call the police on me and I could be arrested because you gave me bad service. I got it, it, it's 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 crazy that you could think and, and 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 I guess the closest thing to me is battered spouse syndrome. Yeah, I love you, but you beat me. Hmm. And I think one of the things I even said at the meeting is one of the issues we have is that you haven't been followed through Nordstrom's when you've got money in your pocket yeah. and you've, you've been asked by five people can I help you not not in the not being in the, helpful way. Yeah, not in the help being helpful way. But be can can I help you with the undercurrent of what are you doing here? Right. Right. It's yeah, but do you want to know what the saddest thing about that Rob is? As a fifty year old African American male, I'm used to it. Yeah. I have to take on now the attitude of 
yeah, tell me about these pants that I'm not interested in mm-hmm. so that I'm not looked at Yeah, as I'm going to take something. So here's my here's my question, and and this is this is a big one, and I don't know if you have the answer for this. I don't I don't know if there is an answer mm-hmm. for this. But you <clears throat> and I are both in you the unique position mm-hmm. where God has called us into roles of leadership mm-hmm. over communities of faith. Yeah. How do we steward well? the position and influence that we have to bring this issue not to light because I mean the issue is to light yeah, everybody but, but how, how do we how do we begin to talk about it and, and I guess this is this is the thing that you and I have you know off of the podcast so so many mm-hmm. conversations you and I have had about this which is what role does the church play in racial reconciliation in, in in is it even possible what what are what are the steps we can take if if there are some to take you know what I, I i think the situation will never be solved by going to your own corner yeah that's the first thing that's the first thing that has destroyed this one the thing talking about being at morehouse in the late eight excuse me, mid to late eighties was we were fighting for divestiture from a part from uh, South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. We were fighting apartheid. We wanted the U S to divest. Um, and here we stand the day after the president has, um, uh, canceled the Iran deal. So now we're putting sanctions back on Iran. We can put sanctions and, and right or wrong, it's it's what it is but there is there's very little objection to sanctioning individuals that have a different religion and are dark people Hmm. but there was so much opposition to putting sanctions on South Africa with the oppressive regime of apartheid and the relegation of the native born individuals there to shanty towns. Yeah. But then again, how can America do that when we've done it and we call them reservations? Mm. So I think when we get free from history, which you can never really do, then you're able to um, be prepared for a future. Mm. We're still slaves to our past. And I brought up South Africa because South Africa did something that America tried to do in um reconstruction but they were we were just too punitive in reconstruction it should have been a not reconstruction but a uh reconciliation yeah a a truth and reconciliation process that we finally come down and say this is it this is what was done be real with it let's not sugarcoat it let's not even um let's not even talk about um what to do with it yeah but let's own it mm-hmm. and i think america has never owned it and uh some wise person maybe maya angelo said it the thing that you run from is the thing you run into mm. and we've run from our race real race issues yeah um and and ownership of it on the level of all folk i mean um I think if if you have the dirty garment, you have to own it. Mm-hmm. And everyone has dirty garments. Yeah. But we've come so far with it now that anything done is either going to be, again, too punitive mm-hmm. or not effective. Yeah. It's, it's hard to even say. Reparations. And that's a... Oh, moment where people just recoil from reparations reparations should have been given 150 years ago yeah yeah but we ended up getting the 13th amendment which made basically um the prison system the new slavery well come on we've got more prisoners in the united states today than the world combined Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, what you run from, you run into, and the prison, um, the prison pipeline is now sucking up everyone's job because when you put people in prison, they come out of prison, the prison um, mindset now becomes the mindset of the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got just so much that, that we're trying to deal with. So to your original question, the church's place in this, uh, that has been complicated by the church's place in politics. The church's place now should be where the where equality happens. What grieves me, and I say this from the aspect of the African American church, what grieves me the most, too many times in this country we've done things to show folk the American dream is how home ownership, but we redline mm-hmm. neighborhoods. We make the access to credit and capital um, based on your zip code much more harder for you. You want a loan, but you don't have access to the bank. You have access to the pawn shop and the payday loan. Mm. But again... So you, you trade one system of slavery for another. Yeah. yeah. But then again, the problem with that is... Where slavery was originally, well, not originally, because originally it was indentured servitude, but slavery um, in its worst was race related. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've 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 made it so that um, the race is now known by income inequality. The 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 racial gap and disparities in income is now just 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 you know so prevalent. Um, but again, it's, it's always been there, but now you see it and you know it, but now it's been visited upon everyone. Yeah. Now you've got poor people, poor white people that are shut out just as much as poor black people. But this is where the insidiousness of, of politics come into it, that you will have equal equality in lack of opportunity because Uh, I've hampered you educationally because you come out of a trailer park. I hamper you educationally because you come out of the projects. You're both in the same place. But politics now says instead of you two understanding you can work together to get somewhere, it sets now you against them and them against you. Yeah. Because if I make you against them, you're in my camp now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that... It is incredibly surprising to me. You and I pastor churches in Putnam County. Yeah. And Putnam County is amongst the poorest counties in the state of Florida. And there are white people living below the poverty line. There is a massive community mm-hmm. of poor people, regardless mm-hmm. of race. Yeah. African American, white, Latino. Yeah. Who, who are facing the same same problems. Who, who are facing the same problems. Lack of opportunity, lack of education, mm-hmm. lack of access to credit and capital. Yeah. Lack of jobs, I health. Mean, yeah, lack of health care. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all of these things that affect across the the racial spectrum, and yet political affiliation, and and especially in when it comes to local politics, yeah. this large group of impoverished people facing the identical problems mm-hmm. are not united in pursuit of answers because race has separated them into different camps. Absolutely. Or the politics of race. The has. politics of race, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The politics um, of race. I think that's what scared people with Martin Luther King in his last year of his life. Now, I mentioned that I'm 50 years old. I was born on March 28th. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated seven days to the day I was born. (laughs) He died trying to organize a poor people's march. If poor peoples came together in 68, 50 years ago, where would we be right now as a country if 
the poor peoples came together and said, hey, we want to start social engineering of our communities so that um, my zip code doesn't determine how long I'm going to live. Mm. My zip code doesn't determine what my car insurance rates are, my health insurance rates are, my uh, mortgage rates are. My zip code doesn't determine this. We all have an equal footing on ours where we live. If that was, if that caught fire, my zip code doesn't determine whether my kid graduates from high school. Well, that challenge, uh, probably more than, you know, sitting down and eating a hamburger next to you at Woolworths. Yeah. So, and, and I want to I want to touch on this one, this piece too. Back to the church. I've been trying to understand, and I hope I'm not turning the, the uh, flipping the script here too much. I'm trying to understand how we have so much in common, mm-hmm. particularly African Americans in the evangelical community. Yeah. Um, if you put our views side by side, if you write down as a black Christian or as a black person, what you believe, you put it down side by side next to a, a, a white evangelical, you'll find out that those are very, very close. Yeah. Where is it that that, that, that the, the, the similarities that we have, the, 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 the like-mindedness that we have, why can't we come together? There, there, there are certain things that, that, to me, and I'll just put it out here because it, it bothers me to even think about. When I see the images of, um, of a police shooting yeah. of an African-American, unarmed African-American, I feel the same way that uh, some people feel where they say, why didn't he just stop? Why didn't he? Eric Garner, why Why did he struggle? Why did he be alive if he just went limp? Hmm. You know, um, Michael Brown, what, man, why were you walking in the middle of the street in the first place? Uh, you'd be alive if you would have just got over and said, yes, sir, officer. But then again, I sit up and say, I watch other videos and white individuals with loaded weapons slung across their shoulder they get talked to and they don't even get their guns pulled on them so it's it's to me it's like why can't you see that that hurts mm-hmm. we all everybody hates the police when they get behind you and turn your lights on white black whatever your, your nationality yeah. you hate it and you don't like him much either. Mm-hmm. You you have to be nice for the for the general expectation that he might give you a warning. But the average person who looks like me isn't afraid for their life. Well, I will say that too. I will yeah. say this too. Um, until probably two or three years ago, the average African American didn't fear for their life. Yeah, uh, the advent of video mm-hmm. has made that blow up. The, the average African-American has been the fear of the loss of your freedom for any reason. Wow. Um, you know, because, um, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> unfortunately, it is, it, the, the fear is you could be put in jail for anything. Yeah. You could be confused for someone. You could, that's, that's been, the thing the engagement has been the thing but now the fear of life is there yeah. um but even with that um everyone feels the same way when the lights get turned on behind them and everyone feels the same way when if you're in your house and you hear a noise and you see the police lights out front <sighs> yeah no matter what your race is when you call them you feel happy that's right when they stop you everybody hates them so that that's that's key across the board. There's a circumstantial relationship yes. to law enforcement. But 
when I see a white person get mistreated, that doesn't stop the fact that I need the police. That doesn't stop the fact that my uncle Clarence, two sons and three daughters are in law enforcement. So that doesn't stop that. That doesn't mean I disrespect police anymore by, by saying this time you didn't do it right. Yeah. I'm not saying all police, but when all police stand up and say, that's not the way it is when clearly I see this, hmm. that, that, that hurts me. Yeah. And no, it's not a, it's not an indictment on every, it's an indictment on the ones who abuse their power. And so that seems reasonable and rational mm -hmm. to me, particularly if I see it happen over it's happened over and over now i've been blessed to have had few interactions with officers that were not good first john chapter four says you cannot love you cannot love a god whom you have not seen mm -hmm. and hate your brother whom you have seen mm -hmm. The, the church, white, black, the church believes in scripture mm -hmm. and the church believes in a God who inspires John towards the end of the first century to write this in a letter to the church in Ephesus. Mm -hmm. You cannot love, you cannot love a God whom you have not seen mm -hmm. and hate your brother whom you have seen every day. So if we are to steward well what has been entrusted to us as pastors in the church, mm -hmm. how do we not just bring a conversation? I, th I think it has to begin with a conversation, but how do we do more than a conversation around, around race mm -hmm. and help? people in our churches and in this and, and look I, I want to be specific about this because I think it is easy for me as as a white pastor to talk with you and go hey what is what is the work that needs to be done which is me going hey we've created a problem you tell me how we fix the problem we've created um, and so we, we have talked about this and I've, I've preached on this at Duns Creek that that racism mm -hmm. you know racial prejudice is is universal yeah racial prejudice exists every every human being has some degree of racial prejudice mm -hmm. but racism systemic mm -hmm. racism mm -hmm. is connected to systems of power mm -hmm. and this is not the same in every culture but in the united states systems of power rest in white wealthy men um, system is set up to provide opportunity for them to reward their opportunity to the greatest degree. So as, as a white pastor in a predominantly white church, mm -hmm. asking a, a friend who, who is a black pastor in a predominantly black church, mm -hmm. what is the role of the church and what role do we each have to play to help the church see that we cannot love a God whom we have not seen mm -hmm. and hate a brother whom we have seen how do we talk about the politics of race mm -hmm. in the real life cost I mean we, we talk about how the politics of race and the reality of race I mean it it takes lives it takes freedom it takes opportunity it does what sin does, which is it, you know, exactly. the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. Yeah. How can I love my brother? Mm -hmm. And at, at best ignore and at worst directly support yeah. systems that imprison, enslave, steal, kill and destroy. My brother. The first problem is in that scripture. It's easier to love what you can't see because then 
you see in your mind's eye what you want to see. So if I don't see God, uh, one of my favorite books I got in seminary um, had a, it was a book of scripture, a book of sermons, um, hundred year old book. It had a sermon in there. dealing with the God that made us and not the gods we make. Mm -hmm. If I formulate a God in my mind and I see him in my mind, but I don't see him in the world, he could be someone other than the God of the Bible. Mm. And I could look at myself in relationship to him and be fine (laughs) but when I look at my brother that I can't understand because look here uh, I got drug addicts in my family I'm sure you do too yeah um but you'll pass you'll pass a drug addict on the street and I'll pass one on the on the same street and have the same reaction as you do yeah um so the situation is it's the same situation we have with faith. Hmm. Faith has to be in the area of the unseen. And faith the the, the third aspect, you know, the faith the, the, the um evidence and substance um, there has to be a part of faith that what you see you don't see Hmm. what do you mean by that because faith being the evidence of those things unseen things that you see will shatter your faith so you have to unsee or not see Hmm. it's the same thing in relationships and love love is really really if it's based on what you see it's not love because then it's lust because it's based on what I want and what I like and all of those things so wow. even, even dealing with that in the area of marital relationships you know you your love isn't based in the way she looks and all of that your love is based in who she is but, but, but your love is really based in you because mm. God is love Christ loved us for God so loved the world it is a self-generating thing it can't be generated based on the object because the object will never come up to the level of love that's needed to love the object Hmm. so if I love you it can't be based in how lovable you are Wow. so I have to unsee the unlovable part of you to deal with the unseen that is truly the love piece hmm the society that we live in is based on what we see of each other. I have to, I have to disregard what I see in my society, my community to love my community. But I also have to see what is unseen is the history of my community. Hmm. But this is the problem. This is the problem. Um, hmm. It's hard to even say this as a problem. You've given me permission to have this conversation because you initiated it. Hmm. The question you asked, like you said, why go to the person that's that's, you know, offended how to solve the offense? (sighs) That will never solve it. Yeah. We are at this the stage again of the seashore line with starfish and we keep picking up one and throwing it back but when you uh, what I was told at one of the meetings at the health department was if one fish washes up on the shore you examine that fish if a thousand you examine that lake Hmm. right now too many times we keep looking at the fish 
and keep coming back with the same thing. This fish is sick. This fish is sick. Boy, this fish is sick. Oh, this one's sick too. This is, and never get to the reason of why we're sick. Do you think it's because huge, systemic, multifaceted problems overwhelm us? No. This country has always addressed huge, systemic situations and have always solved them. The problem is we never solve the ones we seek to solve. Hmm. We've never, we've never, we've never decided to fix our race problem. Nothing artificial grows. Hmm. Say, say that again one more time because that, <laughs> I mean, that'll preach right there. Come on. Nothing. You put some artificial plants out, they will never grow. Nothing artificial grows. Mm-hmm. And you can start a movement with that. <laughs> But, it, but isn't that the truth? It is. It has to be organic. It has to be organic. And But this is the promise. If enough Robs and enough Toms get together, we can do this. But where do we have... Again, I could have this conversation all day. But until a Rob shows up that gives me permission, hmm. then you end up with what we started off with, Charlottesville. Um the alt-right and Antifa mm-hmm. yelling at each other across a police line. And as soon as that line gets broken, then a fight and then some innocent young girl yeah. gets killed. Yeah. That, that That's because it was a group and a group are artificially put together by organizers of one side, organizers of another side that had the thought process that we're going to fight. Mm-hmm. No one ever thought about coming together to sit down and say, hey, because I think we feel we can't we can't come together. Mm-hmm. But everyone starts really from the place. You know, I really don't understand the issue myself. I don't, like I started off saying, I can admire a Robert E. Lee for what he did. I cannot accept that he fought to keep people enslaved. I could, I could, I could say, I could say, and and I hope this doesn't offend anyone. I love America. Mm -hmm. I hate her history. And, and, and maybe the best way, maybe the best way to love someone maybe the best way to love something Mm -hmm. is to not be afraid of addressing something that is ugly to not be afraid of addressing addressing something that is uncomfortable because don't we worship a Jesus who steps right down into the middle of my mess Mm -hmm. yeah and and he says I don't have condemnation or judgment for you but I will not minimize your sin. Wow. Because your sin is trying to kill you. Right. I love you in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And I love you so, I love you fully, completely, and perfectly right here where I have found you. But I love you too much to leave you here. I think the other part that we miss about what the work that Christ did. And I think we have it in in um in poor context on both the left and the right. And I'm probably more left. I'm more left than right social. Sure. It's hard to even, because I don't fit. Yeah. I don't fit either one. And you, you and I are, are have yeah. shared. I mean, we're, we're in the same boat there. And, and it's hard because, um, again, this world wants to put you in a bucket. Yeah. And I don't fit either one. So to, to even look at it in the context of this. So, um, and do I do I discredit, as I mentioned earlier, T. Molly, my slave ancestor, by saying I forget the past? Mm-hmm. I can never forget the past because I'm still living the results of the past. Mm-hmm. So even with God having the ability to throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. We, 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 
we can't forget, but we also can't play the work of the devil and be the accuser of the brethren too. Mm. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, right now, no white person in America has ever owned a slave. Yeah. I mean, they're all dead. Yeah. It's been 150 years. So yeah. unless there's some um, Connor McLeod out here that had a slave, <laughs> um, some immortal out here that had a slave, they're all dead. So from my pet from my point of view as an African American man, do I even hold those that have benefited from slavery accountable for slavery? It's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to do. But I can't forget my ancestor and I can't forget my brothers and sisters who are still suffering from the results. So we, we find ourselves in a situation where a a direct a direct culprit nor a direct victim mm-hmm. is is around today mm-hmm. of slavery. Right. But what allowed slavery to exist? What what preceded the African slave trade? Was was a view of the that, humanity that 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 Africans were somehow not fully human, yeah, because of the color of their skin. And of that, we still have plenty of culprits and victims. Absolutely. So where's the high end that we end up on? <laughs> This has been bringing you down with Tom and Rob. <laughs> it, it's true, but I, I think, you know what, Rob? It, I, I, I guess I'm full of these little quips. Yeah. I can't own your dirty laundry. That's right. I must own mine. Yeah. There are systemic societal strongholds Mm -hmm. to speak spiritually that exists in the African-American community. There are systemic uh, societal strongholds that exist in the uh, majority community of this country. If we don't own our own, they will both destroy us. If we don't own them individually, they will both destroy us collectively. And you would think simple self-preservation would put us in a place to where we would come to say, hey, I, I, I have the effects of slavery in my life. Mm-hmm. I've inherited a mindset that has been passed down from my father to my fa- from father's 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 father all the way down to me that has allowed me to end up being in a place to where I'm self-destructive even racially yeah so okay I found I found the up I found the the high point okay I also inherited that same gene well a different gene called sin yeah and God has given me a solution to that Mm. And unfortunately, we have failed to understand as a society here in this country that the answer to both is the same solution. Amen. The blood of Jesus. That's right. The blood of Jesus. Because that's what brought us together. Yeah. That's, come on. Uh, the, the blood of Jesus, the same, the, the same drop that fell on me and saved me, he didn't have to add or subtract any to save you. That's right. There's a big, hairy problem. Mm-hmm. And we want a silver bullet for it. Yeah, we do. And the, the problem for me, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm a yeah. pastor. I, I believe the word of God. Mm-hmm. But my instinct, mm-hmm. maybe as a cynic, maybe as a pragmatist, is to look for 
the political solution, the mandated solution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think what what I'm one size fits all. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I think what I'm hearing you say is there is a silver bullet. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Yeah. Because there are no political solutions to spiritual problems. Absolutely. Now, this is the problem. This is the problem. And this is the problem we live with today. And this is why we aren't going to get it fixed until we get this fixed. Mixing the spiritual and the political. Now, your spirit, your political should always be tempered by your spiritual. Yeah. And so even talking about, and I think I never really got into it the way I really wanted to, the difference in the history in the black church, that the black church has always been the vehicle for mm-hmm. social change in the Africa, the only vehicle we've had. I've even yeah. mentioned to you before, the problem, the, what we have, well, not the problem, but the situation we have in the black church is this. Jobs of, of social um, stature did yeah. not exist for African-Americans until for the most part civil rights movement yeah um you know you had a rare doctor teacher something like that so for me to be uh, a guy working at the sawmill and i'm boy every day of my life boy pick up that pail boy pick up that log boy do this boy do that if i got talked to at all mm-hmm. when i came to church on sunday i'm now not boy, brother Johnson, deacon, Harry, pastor. That's when I come in the door of the church, I'm somebody. Yeah. And the only thing that made me somebody was Jesus Christ. That's right. And that's why the church has always been that place in the African-American community where we can come to and the injustices and inhumanity of the world gets lost and we're here together and we're doing God's work together. Mm. I'm not doing menial labor. I'm not doing the things that, that no one wants to do. I'm not picking fruits or vegetables. I'm, I'm doing God's work. I'm healing the sick. I'm feeding the hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm walking in the footsteps of John. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching like Paul. I'm doing these things that Jesus has commanded. Therefore, my esteem on Sunday is through the roof but boy monday's coming and that's why the church has always been there but 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 it's it's if your self-esteem is tied up in the church and not in christ jesus Hmm. when you're outside of the church you sit right back down to where you neglect yourself yeah because you're not worthy in a society that is that deemed you not worthy and that mindset has extended into a lot of people today that won't try Hmm. can't try have tried and felt felt opposition that they thought was unbearable and so now you checked out Hmm. that's where the church has had its strongest place but again, we could make the church is a poor substitute for Christ. Say say that again, <laughs> because and, and, yeah. say that again and unpack what you mean by that, because there is a profound truth in that. Yeah, the church is a is a poor substitute for Christ, tying your esteem to the church will always come up short than tying your esteem to Christ. Mm-hmm. The church is the vehicle that that Christ has given us to make it to him. Mm. But if, if he's not the driver, the road, <laughs> yeah. the garage, yeah. if he's not the all in all, mm-hmm. your vehicle will drive off a cliff. Yeah. And I think that's where the evangelical movement has lost its way. I also think that's a little bit to where the the church has, the black church has lost lost its way. I still believe in social justice. I still believe that that my interpretation of 
of the work that Jesus did, Jesus being a revolutionary, we're Protestants because we protested yeah. the social injustices that made Martin Luther staple his thesis to the door. That's who we are. And we lose that if we ever become those that snatched them off. Hmm. So, yes, there is a there is a level of need for social justice. But if your social justice isn't based in your 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 Christ, then your social justice can become your God as much as your church can become your God. Hmm. Tommy, we sure appreciate you. No, thank you uh, for this experience. I've thought about some things that I, I've articulated some things that I haven't really thought about in a long time. And um, it's been a, 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 a an extreme pleasure to even uh, open myself up that I haven't done um, to even think about dad in the way that I did today and talk about mom and, and um, you know, my pastor, all the people that have shaped me through all of my ups and downs and being able to honor them today. Yeah. I thank you for that opportunity. No problem. Um, this has been Duns Creek Conversations. Our guest today was the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church here in Palatka, the Reverend Tommy Rogers. Uh, he's my friend and my brother. And if you ever want to have a long conversation with someone <laughs> about serious issues um, that may not have immediate solutions, there is no one better. Uh, and I really encourage you to come spend a Sunday uh, in a pew at Bethlehem Baptist Church. And I promise you this, you will rarely hear someone preach better. Uh, he is, like I said, been a fan favorite at, uh, at Dunn's Creek, and uh, we will certainly have him back again. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope the conversation has been a blessing to you, and we will see you next Monday. <laughs>